It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. We're with you until 11 o'clock today, as usual, here on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Mr. Tate is in the house, ready to roll. How's it going, sir? Good morning, good morning. A lot to talk about today. We've got uh, four or five guests lined up, also some open uh, line periods for you. Brad Underwood will join us at 9.15 and 9.30. Joe Henriksen from City Suburban Sports Report in Chicago. We'll talk about the IHSA decision earlier this week to return the boys' basketball tournaments to Champaign. Leading off the second hour, we'll talk about uh, Major League Baseball with David Schuster, a sports reporter in Chicago. At 10.15, some Illinois football conversation. Rod Smith, offensive coordinator, will join us for a few minutes. Then at 10.30, Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City will check in with us and talk about uh, what's going on in Iowa football, maybe some basketball talk as well. So that's uh, those are the guests lined up. We've got plenty of topics to uh, get to on this Saturday morning edition on June, the, you know what? It's almost July. It's summer. It is. <laughs> it's summertime, and we're not playing baseball still. No, and, and don't know if we will. Earlier, the, you know, a couple of days ago, we thought, well, there's some optimistic things. They ought to be able to get this worked out, even though it sounded like things that could have been worked out two months ago and they could have been playing already. But now I'm, I'm scratching my head. I get, you know, I go day to day wondering if they're going to play, and I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't. I definitely don't know. I thought that when they, when when one group comes back, uh, you know, when when baseball offers uh, sixty uh, games, and then the players come back and say, "Well, let's play seventy games." I, that seems like an easy thing to compromise. Okay, let's play sixty-five games. Let's go, but uh, no compromise. We'll keep our eye on that for sure. Uh, you'd like to think they're getting closer to some kind of a season, but the longer it goes on, it makes you wonder. And then. A couple of things uh, regarding COVID-19. There was a player who tested positive on the PGA Tour uh, this week, Nick Watley. So there's an issue there. But at Clemson, they had 28 uh, people test positive, 23 of whom, I'm told, were connected with the football program at Clemson. Yeah. So um, those are things that we kind of felt yeah. were, were going to happen. Got, Texas got a similar problem, University of Texas. They had they had as many I heard as many as fifty some people in quarantine because of thirteen players had tested positive. I mean it isn't the problem is when you have players then who have they been in contact with and you have to put those people in, in quarantine. We do have the phone lines open three five six nine three nine seven if you'd like to jump in here in the first few minutes of the show before Brad Underwood joins us coming up about nine fifteen. Some other items uh, College Football Hall of Fame ballot was released earlier this week. And once again, Simeon Rice and Mo Gardner, former Illini players, are on that ballot. And you'd like to think of one of those, maybe both, I think would Simeon, get in. I think Simeon's going to make it. I'd like to see them both get in, obviously. but uh, he's, he's, got, he's got better name recognition. He does. You know. 
particularly what he performed in, in the NFL. Right. You know? Yeah. So that uh, that vote will be revealed at some point. Illini football players are getting back. We'll talk more about that with Rod Smith coming up. We're going to have uh, Underwood on, and we taped him yesterday. And and uh, you sure like to ask him about the recruiting that's going on because. He can't talk about it. The one thing you want to talk to him about, the one thing he's really involved in, they're, they're doing two, three, four uh, Zooms a day talking to athletes, and uh, they're, they're making offers to the junior class now. And, and uh, by Tuesday, I think, they had made eight offers. Now it's up around 15. Now that's – they've only got one or two spots open <laughs> probably, although, you know, uh, that can change too. But – but uh, they had 33 offers for the current senior class, upcoming senior class. Now they've got at least probably, and I don't have an exact number, but they've probably got in the neighborhood of 15, four of from the state of Illinois, uh, including Trey Pettigrew, uh, who's a member of the Fenwick team and, uh, and probably is along with, you know, he's probably pretty close to the, to the main guy in the, in the junior class, I would think as far as uh, the players from the state of Illinois. But all our talk about, and, and we'll talk more about the, the state tournament, but what we're seeing is the state football tournament hasn't brought players from the state to Illinois to play football. That has not, that's not happening. The state wrestling has not been, uh, I mean, I know it's a, a tremendous uh, tournament and should be a boon to Illinois wrestling, but we don't see Illinois wrestling really, uh, I, I shouldn't say it doesn't profit, but we're not seeing the kind of uh, thing that we're hoping for in basketball where we get the very best players and Illinois becomes a contender for the championship. This, this, is, uh, this is a long way from, from that situation. And I don't know whether, uh, I don't know whether the, the tournament being here and, and with the realization that uh, the Big Ten tournament's going to be in Chicago at the very same time, on the very same weekend, so... Underwood won't be here, and most of his staff, maybe all his staff, will be in Chicago. Well, depending on the timing of That's games right. and all that, That's they're, right. at least they're close enough they could uh, whip up back down I-57. They could be eliminated and, yeah. uh, in the, early in the tournament and, and still be here. But right. all I'm saying is that it's, it's a long stretch between holding the tournament and getting the players. Let's go to the phones. Alan is with us. You're leading us off. Alan, go ahead. You're on the air. Morning, guys. I saw this week we got three recruits for next year from Florida, but none of them are fairly highly regarded. In fact, one of them wasn't even uh, rated. Uh, I get. I think it was a linebacker that came from Jake Hansen's uh, high school. Uh, it just kind of astounds me that Levy struggles in this. Uh, if we do have a season, it just feels like the next year we're going to be basically starting all over again like when he took over. Well, well I, th I think that's right. Uh, but, I mean, I, he won't be, he won't, he, he'll be playing next year with players he has on the team now. He's not going to be playing with the, current, the incoming freshmen for next year because no. they're not going to be good enough. I mean, that's fairly obvious. But he's going to try to get in the transfer market. We know that. Uh. Seeing what's going on with baseball with the virus infections picking up, <clears throat> I'm more pessimistic about sports this year than I've ever been. Uh, I'm going to be a little surprised if we see anything this year because if baseball decides to shut down because of the virus, 
everybody else is going to follow suit. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I will tell you that if baseball shuts down, you're going to have billionaires who are going to lose a few million, and you're going to have some millionaires that are still going to be millionaires. But if football st- breaks down and college football breaks down, then you've got a whole nother serious big-time problem because everybody's yep. a loser. I mean, these right. guys, these baseball people can get by. You know, if, if I own the Cubs and they're worth $3 billion, I can borrow some money and get along. But uh, football is a whole other story in college football. They, we, we, well, Lauren, what do you think? Go ahead. Lauren, what do you think about Ohio State having their players uh, sign a waiver or parents sign a waiver? That doesn't look particularly good, does it? I mean, uh, I don't it makes know. it sound like you really don't care about the players. Well, I don't think I, – I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I don't know what what waivers they have to sign anyway. Well, you know, there may be some of those. I, I don't know. I haven't really given that any thought. I haven't either, but I I think that uh, I don't I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, players have to understand that they're at some risk, and uh, I I think that the university doesn't want to start this thing and then have somebody sue them. So then why doesn't everybody do it? Well, maybe they will. I don't know. I, I we should ask okay. Josh Whitman that. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, everybody's not going to announce it <laughs> necessarily. That doesn't mean other people aren't doing it. Well, I think in all sports, it's going to come to that, even down to the grade school and high school level. If they're going to play at all, that's about the only way they're going to play. Okay, Alan, we appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. Phone line is open. Uh, good morning. You are on Saturday Sports Talk. Go ahead. Yeah, this is Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve. And I got questions for you. Over the past couple of weeks, I enjoyed your interviews with Mark Coombs and Eddie Johnson, and this is for Warren Tate. And he said that Illinois basketball was then the water until the eighth game of court. But my fear is that in two or three months, maybe it's already forgotten. His name will be forgotten, but yet Lou Henson's name is on the court. It's on an honorary street. But why hasn't the university, if Tony Yates was so valuable, recognized him with a banner or something? And then the second one pertains to the football. Did you see where the number one football prospect is going to that IMGA Academy in Florida? Uh, I think his name is McCarthy out of LaGrange, Nazareth. Yeah. And he won a state championship in Memorial Stadium. But Michigan's putting him down there in Florida. Yeah. And I think Lawrence should go down and write a column on what that school's like down there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you what, that, that, that's something else down there. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that uh, they, get all, they get top players all over the country. It's just like a, a prep school. It is a prep school, as a matter of fact. It's, just, it's a sports school for top athletes. And as far as honoring Tony Yates, I think that'd be a great idea with uh, – I mean, he was a key guy in the in the history of Illinois basketball, the beginning of the uh, Lou Henson area. You know, maybe some uh, uh, recognition for his family or a banner or something like that would be fine. Yeah, he's been gone a long time. Yeah, uh, And, of course, then Jimmy Collins followed him up. But uh, those years, I think Tommy's, Tony said he was here nine years. Is that yes, right? Yes, it is right. And, uh, eight with Lou. Yeah, yeah eight with Lou. And, and he, he broke the he broke the, the barrier up north when, when, we, when Illinois desperately needed it. I'm... I remember how what a big deal it was when we got Levi Cobb. Of course, the year before when he was here with Bartow, 
uh, he he brought in three uh, black players when Illinois had none. Yeah, Williams and Washington were out out in Iowa playing junior college ball, and then Audie Matthews was at Bloom, and all three of those guys uh, were regulars. When Lou took over, they were all three starters the next year, yep. the following year. Anything else, Steve? Well, I just I hope the university compensated him well, because I know I went for lunch once with Tony Ace and Bill Molinari when I came by the assembly hall, and Tony took me out for lunch. And what a great guy, but I just hope the university recognized his contributions and financially took care of him for what he did. All right, good stuff, Steve. We appreciate the call. We do have the phone line open, 356-9397, if you'd like to jump in. Of course, compensation those days is different than compensation is today. Well, Lou Henson came in for 34000 So Tony was his assistant. What does that tell you? <laughs> Tony might have been making 20 maybe. I don't know. Probably he wasn't making any more than that. Not more than that. 9.13 is the time. We'll take our first time out. This is Lonnie Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. When we come back, we'll visit for about 15 or so minutes with Illinois basketball coach Brad Underwood. Stay with us. We're back after this. Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, welcoming Lanai basketball coach Brad Underwood to the show. Interesting week uh, this past week, Coach, uh, for things concerning basketball. The uh, contact period has opened up. You've got players coming back to campus, and the IHSA made the big announcement early in the week about uh, March Madness coming back to Champaign-Urbana and the State Farm Center. Let's get your reaction on that, uh, first of all, if you would, please. Well, it's been a great week, to be very honest, and and it, and it all starts with with the IHSA, and and uh, uh, you know I, I I've said it in the press conference, it's 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 back home, it's where it belongs, um, you know I, I 1919 to 1995 here on, on our campus, and uh, you know the correlation between scholastic sports and and uh, having it at the flagship institution. Uh, to me, just makes a lot of sense, and, and that's not a knock on Peoria. It was it was a wonderful event there for 25 years, uh, but uh, you know I think it's a it, it's great for our program. It's great for for Champaign Urbana, uh, and uh, and I think it's an exciting uh, time for high school coaches uh, and high school players. And and uh, you know you think about all the all the great players and. You know, you've got six of the uh, the top six players on the Flying Illini team played in this tournament. You've got uh, uh, our top two all-time scores uh, played in this tournament, and and the list goes on and on and on. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's very meaningful for for Illinois basketball. It's very meaningful for Illinois high school basketball, and and uh, I'm really really excited about um, about the opportunity to to have it in our community and and on our campus. When you were an assistant coach at uh, Western Illinois, did you make some treks over to Champaign to, to watch some of the games? Yeah, the first year I came over, man, I was so excited. You know, you hear, you know, as a as a as a as a younger kid, you hear, you know, we heard always about how great Illinois and, and Indiana high school basketball and this and that, and you know, you're proud, you know, being from Kansas. And all of a sudden, the first tournament I go to was a was a um, state tournament here. And it was the small schools, and I and that, that that time they had two classes. I couldn't get in, and I mean you're just in 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 awe of of the uh, 
the number of people and, and, and how big a deal it was. And, uh, you know, that was, that was, um, pretty powerful stuff to a, you know, 28, 29 year old coach that, um, you know, seeing that for the first time made a, made an unbelievable impression. Too bad you didn't know Lauren back then. He could have got you in. <laughs> I used to cover the Indiana and the Illinois tournaments both and, and would write an article every year comparing the two and getting in trouble with whoever I said was worst. <laughs> yeah. But I was in Hammond, Indiana at the time. And then when I came back from Hammond to Champaign, I still had an interest from my 11 years in Indiana. So I, I still saw some tournaments over there, but I, I soon got away from that. But Coach, what was the year that you uh, couldn't get in? Was that a 90? It would have been uh, 90. It was either 93, 94. It would have been maybe 90. 93, 94 was my first year, but it could have been 94, 95 the yeah. last year. Yeah, well, so it, was, it was one of those. It was one of those two. This was at a time when the thing was at its all time high, and I think it kind of peaked right in. It peaked in the kind of in the 80s and, and the early 90s, and then. Since the yep. two thousand, since, since two thousand eight, and they went to four uh, divisions. That that changed it a lot. Uh, I wanted to ask you, as as you you must realize that uh, you'll be in the surely be in the Big Ten tournament next year, playing on we hope on the weekend, and that'll be the same weekend. I think March 11, 12, 13 are the dates for the uh, for the tournament here. Um, it puts you in a kind of a, a weird position because your your uh, focus has got to be on the tournament in Chicago. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, and 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 it's uh, um, it's going to work out that way some years. That it's it's just not feasible for us to be there, and and um, but uh, you know I still think the overall benefit of you know kids driving down that tunnel and 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 walking through that thing and and seeing that court and seeing that big scoreboard and and um, uh, you know they all watch games on television and to see those. Uh, to see that court and and to see all those those um, banners hanging up there, I mean that's 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 special. And and even though we may not be here physically, and you know maybe one of those situations where we we keep a coach back, uh, depending on when we play, or we, or I jump back to see a game, depending on what's going on at the time. But uh, it'll be very very special for for everybody. And unfortunately, uh, you know we'll be in the Big Ten tournament next year. Well, you know, uh, I think it, uh, you you can comment on this. I think the the main thing is to ha to get underclassmen in here. You know, if if a guy's going to be a really good player and a guy you're interested in, he'll probably be on the varsity as a sophomore. And and those th those are when impressions really are strong. I mean, by the time a guy is a senior, he's probably already committed, isn't he? Yeah, or he's or he's made enough he's made enough unofficial visits. And I and I still think there's a great value in playing on the court in a competitive game than just the visit. But absolutely. I, you know, I think the thing that excites me is you start seeing young kids and, and families and, and dads bringing their sons over and, and um, Hey, we're going to go watch the state tournament and we don't really have a, a, a team that we're rooting for, or, you know, you're in some of these communities and they come over and, and and it's a it's a, it's a it's a young family because they they're supporting the community and and uh, man those kids want to grow up and and be a high school basketball player with the opportunity to come play in the state farm center those are all uh, dreams and 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 things that are so valuable and and uh, 
I'm so excited about uh, um, those things and, and the possibilities that um, that that build Illini pride from young kids on up through um, you know their high school uh, graduation. Well, uh, Brad, let's talk about um, what's going on right now with you. And have you seen the players? Have have all? Are, do you have all the players except maybe I or Desumu on campus now? No, no. This is this is uh, this is the thing that um, you know that, that Josh and and the unbelievable and we've had unbelievable leadership through this uh, pandemic with Josh and, and our staff and so this is done in waves and um, uh, you know there's a lot of coordination involved with healthcare officials uh, with um, uh, state and local. Uh, governing bodies and, and people involved. So we have our we have a portion of our veterans back, and then uh, we'll continue to bring in uh, other groups at, at times as they as they go through their process of reentry, as we call it. And um, then hopefully here in the next uh, ten to fourteen days, then we'll have everybody on campus. Um, as you know, it was passed the other day, July twentieth is now our first day that we can have uh, contact and work out. Everything to this point is, is voluntary. So we're still a little ways away, uh, but uh, that's okay. We, we've got to, we've got to do this right. We've got to be safe. And, and um, you know, we're handling that now. Talking to Brad Underwood, a lot of Saturday sports talk here on DWS. We know Georgie was around the whole time. He didn't, uh, didn't go home. That was too long a trip. Kofi is back. Is that correct? And uh, what, what do you know about Kofi? How's he doing? Yeah, he's he's been back on campus. I don't know, maybe uh, six weeks, uh, roughly. Um, and uh, you know that was done for for safety and 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 his concerns uh, being in uh, being in New York City. And uh, so, but um, yeah, he's 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 back and he's. Uh, He's gone through the uh, the reentry process of of testing and going through that. He's he's still uh, uh, you know has his name in the draft and is still you know still been entertaining interviews and those things. But uh, but he, yes, he's physically been back on campus. This is not news to you, but uh, Lauren and I had Andre Corbello on uh, this show last month, and the first time we've had a chance to really talk to him. But what an impressive young guy he is uh, he, he did a great interview with us oh. very uh, well spoken and and thoughtful young guy and uh, he really got us excited about uh, him coming in along with Andre Miller and Coleman Hawkins and uh, it's going to be fun to see these guys develop well I, I we I, I couldn't be any more excited about our our, our freshmen and our, our young guys and I think when you start looking at uh, um, you know, if, if my staff asked me a year ago at this time, they said, Coach, you know, uh, what freshman backcourt would you like? Um, we got it. And and in Curbelo and Adam. And, uh, um, you know, Coleman is a guy that uh, I think is under underappreciated at, um, you know, he played on an extremely talented, prolific team, which a lot of people got to see here in town. But, uh, you know, all he does is everything that's right and, and wins. And, uh, you know, so I'm excited about him and, and his skill set and his IQ. And I uh, can't wait to get him out there. He gives us a, a, a piece that we haven't had in a 6'10 shooter 
So, yeah, all three of these guys are very talented. They're very high IQ guys. Uh, and then and then we've got a nice mix. And you throw, um, you know, Jacob uh, Grandison, and who is Holy Cross's leading scorer, and he's had a year of practice and a year in the weight room, and Austin Hutcherson, uh, you know, two guys that, uh, that set out and, uh, and both got to practice with us. So, you know, we've got five new guys that um, – that I'm really, really excited about. And, and uh, two of them have been in the program and are older. And then you've got three, um, three very, very talented freshmen, which I think, you know, was, was somebody told me once was one of the top 15 or so recruiting classes. I don't pay attention to that, but I love them. And so I'm excited about um, all the new guys we have. We had a question last week on the show about Benjamin and uh, what you saw from him. You didn't get a chance to, to see a lot last year, did you? He, he got hurt. He wore the boot for much of the season, so he didn't practice much. But how are you feeling about him? Yeah, I feel great. I, you know, the, the one thing that uh, was is, is so frustrating, and I think it was a challenge for, for, for Ben, was just, uh, you know, he was hurt. He, he was hurt when he got here, and he came back and he played, and, and it wasn't right, and we never really saw him uh, healthy at all. And so I'm excited to see uh, to see him healthy. And he was an extremely tough young man. He played with a stress fracture uh, when he did play, when he did practice. So I think the, um, uh, the excitement for me is I know we saw him do some really positive things, and he was hurt. So I'm excited to see him, um, you know, really healthy. And, and uh, you know, he, was, he had limited activity. So, you know, getting back into shape this, the rest of this summer uh, and the off season will be very important for him just from a conditioning. But we do know this, no one's going to work any harder than Ben does. Well, Coach, we've been hearing you, you're doing a lot of Zoom uh, recruiting right now. You've, you're, uh, you've been released to go after the, the juniors, the upcoming juniors in high school. Tell us what it's like. Zoom, what, how does it change what you're doing when you're, when you're, when you're doing it through the Zoom well, the one thing that's very different, I mean, is the is just the the the, the feel of of emotion, you know, that you have in a person to person contact and face to face, and 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 you you know you you see laughter and you see emotion and you you sense um, a level of excitement, and and sometimes the zooms are a little more choreographed and and. Um, uh, you know, scripted a little bit in terms of the slides that you show. Uh, but I do think for the most part, they've been great. Um, and, and it's, you know, we were very fortunate. We had in the 21 class, we had a lot of our top prospects in. Uh, they've been to campus. Uh, I've got an incredible staff. They did a great job of, of getting guys here, especially the last month of the year. Uh, we had a great group of guys in. And, and so, We've been able to follow up. Uh, now you can't zoom every conference every every time you talk to them. That wears thin with kids, you know, to keep them on an hour or a little over and in some some um, conversations. But um, yeah, I mean, we're 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 trying to stay very relative with Instagrams and and, and small videos and sending them clips and then FaceTiming. Uh, so, you know, it, it is different. Uh, I miss the in-person contact. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we move into the 22s, 
I love making calls to kids uh, for the first time because they're really excited. And as the recruiting process goes on and it starts to drag on for those young kids, uh, they're not near as excited. And uh, they get tired of all the calls. And so I love that enthusiasm, and, and, and I love hearing that in their voice. And to me, those are, those are really fun calls to make. So have you been able to play more or less golf <laughs> the past two or three months than you normally would this time of year? Oh, a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. Um, and that's, that's, um, good news, bad news, right? (laughs) Yeah, I, well, and I'll be, I'll be honest and, and, you know, I, I love to play. I really enjoy playing golf. It's one of the things that, you know, my competitive juices flow and, and I used to play a lot when I was really young, but I, I, um, um, with all our moves in the last six, seven years, it's one of the things that's really suffered is my golf game. Now that I'm playing more, it's really suffered, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I realize how much it has. But uh, uh, I enjoy going out. I enjoy playing, and and uh, you know I've got to get back to to now enjoying practicing a little bit. And um, that's that's one of the things that uh, I used to love to do was just go hit balls, practice putting and chipping. And I haven't done enough of that here to uh, to expect to be any good. That's Illini basketball coach Brad Underwood. Appreciate your time, as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, and happy Father's Day to everybody out there. You as well. 932 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a time out here at the bottom of the hour and be back to talk some more high school basketball. Joe Hendrickson from Chicago will join us. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today on this June 20th. Phone line open 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, thanks to Brad Underwood for taking some time to visit with us. And he doesn't, as he mentioned, he doesn't have everybody back yet, but they're coming in waves, as he said. And Andre uh, Corbello, Adam Miller, those guys will be here before too long as well. Yeah, I... I uh... I guess we won't see Io coming back at all because he does t- t- tend to uh, turn pro, but uh, that isn't final yet, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens on that. I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, – I saw something where, where uh, he was a judge to be about like number 50, 51 out of the 60 players that would be taken in the draft, so he's probably going to be taken in the second round, although no guarantee of that. And we don't know what he knows either and nope, what his nope. people know. There may be a team out there that says, That's hey, right. look, we really like your game. We want, we'll, we will take you with pick number whatever if you're still available. And, and, and if you have somebody saying that, that would be enough in my mind. To, the jump in his athleticism from one year to the next, from his freshman to his sophomore year, was dramatic, major stuff, which would indicate maybe he could make another jump this year. Who knows? And never make a jump as big as he did from his freshman to his sophomore year, but he could. And I think that everything in the draft is on the come, always on the come. How good is he going to be, not today, but how good is he going to be two years from now? Well, the, the dramatic improvement he made, I thought, was really taking it to the basket. Yep. Uh, that crossover dribble and the hesitation move. He's got to work on his shot. Everybody needs to work on their shot. And yep. the, the three-point shot, his percentage was not great. And it looks a little funny still. Uh, it's almost like a set shot. 
Uh, but that's something that he, he works on. And uh, a lot of guys, there are a lot of guys out there that have his skill level. He does some things better than others, but he's got to get the shot more consistent. Mm -hmm. And the likelihood, again, as we've said many times, the likelihood is that he will play in the G League next year as opposed to the NBA. It's a lot more likely that he'll be in the G League if there is a G League. I assume there will be, but I guess assumptions these days aren't very good. Yeah, the, that if word <laughs> is uh, more prominent than ever these days when you're talking about uh, anything down the road. And it doesn't have to be that far down the road to get that if word in there. We're having a, a hard time getting a hold of Joe Hendrickson this morning. Uh, he's not picking up. Maybe he's golfing or something. <laughs> no, he's, he'd be a smart I guy to do that. I talked to him two days ago. He's, he's, he was ready to come on, but we'll catch not him. sure. We'll catch him. Maybe uh, he doesn't have his phone turned on at the moment, but we'll still do that. The phone line is open. If you'd like to jump in, 356-9397. Let's go to Illinois football for a minute here, and uh, Lovey Smith will have his most experienced team in his five years coming back. Um, of course, that comes as a benefit, I would guess you would say, with having to play so many young people as he did early in his career. Yeah, you know, I, I was, uh, uh, I'm watchful of these evaluations, and these aren't necessarily local evaluations. They're national as to which players on the Illinois team would rank most highly, and on one hand, I see uh, Kramer, the center, is ranked very high and by one particular, uh, in, in one judgment. And then another, he's uh, listed as fourth string Big Ten, which is still good. I mean, uh, I see, uh, I, I thought Hobbs would be highly regarded as a, as a cornerback, but some people are ranking Sidney Brown over him in the defensive secondary. And, of course, uh, I don't know, uh, is Bebe, as I will call him, is is just an outstanding receiver, and and he seems to be overlooked in some of the evaluations. I think that he's a he's a quality guy, and, and I think a, a leader on this team. And I I, I continue to um, uh, read things that uh, Luke Ford says on Twitter that are very interesting. The guy's a sharp guy. I got a hunch that he's going to be a heck of a player. I just because he was the number one player in the state of Illinois, that doesn't hurt because he's the size that he is. He's he's a big tight end, so I think the tight ends are going to be more uh, involved in Illinois football this year than than we had. Now, how many times have I, have I said that, Steve? <laughs> Twenty consecutive years and oh, never at been right. At least maybe <laughs> maybe thirty. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk to Rod Smith a little later about that, but I I just think that. Uh, I think when you've got when you've got uh, quality tight ends, you got to use them. Tight ends and fullbacks, where have they gone? Well, fullbacks are gone. Yeah, but tight ends are still out there. They just don't. They're just another tackle. Is what they are, a blocking tackle. You know, there are a lot of preseason publications starting to come out. I have not picked any up physically to look at them, but I've read some online. And Illinois not getting a lot of love in the in the Big no. Ten. No, they're uh, picked by some uh, towards the bottom of the West Division, and uh, I think Athlon's out, Steve. Is it? Yeah, I think that's what I was referring to when I mentioned uh, some of those ratings. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that Athlon is entirely accurate, but uh, they certainly like Green as uh, as one of the best guards in the Big Ten. Polshevsky still gets a, a, a good evaluation. The offensive line is the Illinois strength. If you listen, if you uh, you know, if if you pay attention to these ratings, because they've got three or four guys that have been around there so long, so I I just think that uh, 
I think the Illinois football team is, is in best position to have a, a good season. And I think the fact that they haven't been able to practice and everybody else hasn't been able to practice helps Illinois in relation to the other teams because Illinois has got so many returnees, all of who played last year under Rod Smith. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a situation where they should, they should walk in with a pretty good idea of what they're doing. Uh, and and other teams, for instance, if you got a new coach and and you're if you're at Rutgers or uh, you know there's certain they've got to build and they got to start from scratch and they had no spring practice to do it. We'll talk more Illinois football with offensive coordinator Rod Smith coming up at 10:15 on the show. We've already had that Brad Underwood on this morning talking basketball. Joe Hendrickson from City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago joins us on the line now. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. We want to talk to you a little bit about the Illinois High School Association decision, uh, the announcement of that decision earlier this week about uh, bringing the boys' tournaments uh, back to uh, Champaign-Urbana. You had uh, talked and written uh, a bit about uh, the event in Peoria, saying it was kind of on life support. And and so uh, with that said, I'm guessing you think it's a good idea to bring it back to Champaign. Let's get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody, to be honest. Um, it was, I think it's five years overdue. Um, you know, Champagne put their best foot forward this time around in compared to the last time around. So they're in, they were in position to, to do so with, obviously, with the renovation, the completion of the State Farm Center, uh, and the combination of that with just how things have materialized in Peoria, Really, over the last decade, uh, you know, I, I, I was one who was against the move from Champaign to Peoria. Um, and then, you know, I admitted I was wrong. Uh, Peoria did such an unbelievable job. And I, I admitted I was wrong, and it ran its course, though. And combination of multiple things, what happened econo- you know, economically in the Peoria area combined with uh, for class basketball, uh, which isn't changing, you know, it, it just became a different vibe, a different, different atmosphere in Peoria. So with that being said, in Champaign now, I, I think it's a, just a great boost. Um, you know, it's not going to change overnight. I mean, this isn't going to miraculously be like it was when I went down there in the 80s and, and uh, early 90s and saw – 14, 13,000, 15,000 people at Assembly Hall. But you, you, you got to do something. I mean, you're talking Class 3A afternoon state championship games with uh, 2,500, 3,000 people. Uh, and that wasn't going to change. So I, I, I don't find one negative uh, in the move. So I, I, it's great for Champaign, the community, the university as well. You know, Joe, this is Lauren. I, I don't have anything uh, against the move at all. I think it's a great move for Champaign and certainly for the state tournament. But is there any way to get out of playing Thursday and Friday nights? Friday night's always been an ideal time to be playing games with losers from the afternoon brackets. Oh, Lauren, you're speaking to, I mean, my heart, baby. I <laughs> When I first broke this and, and wrote this story about the reef vamped format I, I in my piece that i wrote i wrote the positive and the negatives and, and and you know as huge as big a way i could do it i said this is the worst idea possible 
to play class 3A and 4A, the big school semifinals at 10 a.m. on a Friday, and you're playing consolation games on Friday night, it, it's just a colossal mistake. Um, so it's like two steps forward, one step back. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You, I mean, you play those big school games Friday night, you got some people that leave work early or take the day off Friday and get down there in the night, or you, know, you talk, think about TV audiences. I mean, this is your, 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 your biggest spectacle in high school sports in Illinois, and the IHSA chooses to play the biggest games on, on Friday morning? I mean, it's just it's ludicrous. Okay, Joe, that something how do you avoid it? Well, you just got to – the people with the IBC, all coaches in the state, um, they have to directly make their presence felt. Uh, media can play a part, all of it, and, and just kind of emphasizing the stupidity of it. And, and make a change between now and March. I mean, that's not that's, that's nothing to do. You know what would I mean? You, just, would you give up uh, the consolation games? No, just play the consolation games in the morning. I mean, I, who, they're consolation games. Who cares if, they, if you play the night before? I mean, or if you don't want to play, don't play. I don't care. I mean, the third-place games, to me, most people don't like them. I still kind of find a little bit of value in them just because of history. The third-place trophy, the fourth-place trophy may not mean some to, much to some. I still like it. I also like the opportunity for those teams to play two games. Uh, once they, you know, that big journey to get down there and you lose and it's def- deflating. But I think a lot of schools have, have enjoyed coming back, to, you know, and playing that game. So I just, but treat it as it is. It's a consolation game that should be played on, in the morning. Who cares if they play those at 10 a.m.? Talking high school hoops with uh, Joe Hendrickson. As far as the Illinois basketball program benefiting from having these games back in Champaign-Urbana, talk a little bit about that and how you how you view that. You know, it's not it's not going to hurt. I mean, it's a, it's going to be a plus no matter what. I, I I think a little bit has changed in terms of. I think it was a huge deal back in the seventies and eighties, and and when TV wasn't as prevalent, where you weren't so you know accustomed to you know, to see in other places, you know, it's all Illinois, 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 uh, whether it be on TV or, or the dream of playing in assembly hall, it's going to, you know, I, I was talking to, you know, former Illinois assistant coach, Rob Judson, uh, this week. And we were just talking about the change and the move and the switch. And he, and he, and he was thinking back to when he was in high school and everybody was in high school those days, you know, they get these, these t-shirts printed up. And a lot of people I still remember would have assembly hall to, of, of, you know, the, of outside of assembly hall in the back of their t-shirt being the dream or dream. that was what you were trying to strive for you know we've gone 25 years a quarter of a century with a whole generation of people who are only accustomed to playing in peoria and that's all they've known and so it's going to take some time to kind of get that feel of okay get to champagne get to state get to assembly hall we'll state farm center now so that part will take some time the other thing is it's just there is just an overabundance of access to the, you know, seeing Illinois on TV, seeing other schools on TV. Uh, I don't think it's quite as big of an impact uh, as you once felt back in the 70s and 80s. Where I do think it's a monstrous impact is for the university. I, I, I know it has nothing to do with basketball, but you think about all the thousands and thousands of kids, uh, student body I'm talking about, of the participating teams, their parents, the fans in the community all getting down to the university, being on campus, seeing it. It's just a free selling point in advertising for the university. So I, I think that could have a bigger impact than even uh, for basketball pro- the basketball program. 
Well, Joe, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Let's talk about the uh, upcoming seniors. Uh, Bryce Hopkins of Fenwick is going to Louisville. Uh, we've got some other players that are committed. Uh, and Luke Goody from Fort Wayne is coming to the U of I. But uh, Illinois has made 33 offers that we know of. Maybe that number's off a little bit, but that's what we have. Uh, what? Explain where do you think uh, the University of Underwood is in terms of recruiting that senior class? Well, I just think it's um, – it, and this goes to show what we've seen over the course of this coaching staff. Uh, their outreach goes well beyond Illinois. Uh, I would say so much to the fact that, that you know, Illinois isn't and, – and, and, and everybody can look at it differently – Illinois hasn't been the focus, the state of Illinois, and the prep talent. Um, and, and I don't see anything wrong with that for a couple of reasons. One, we've had a, since, you know, the tail end of John Gross's tenure at Illinois and throughout Brad Underwood's, there's just been a lack of high major players in Illinois. That's just, that's fact, you know. Um, so, you know, they've made the most of it with their connection to Morgan Park and Macker Fire with Adam Miller and Isle DeSumo. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's just not the surplus of high majors in Illinois. So they didn't waste a ton of time on kids in Illinois that couldn't play at the high major level. That's a credit to them. And they've, they've reached out well beyond, like we've never seen in the history of the University of Illinois basketball. And, Lauren, you can attest to this more than anybody. You know, the history over the years from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000, early 2000s, you know, we're talking four decades and – the amount of impact players from out of state, you know, I, I mean, I understand from the Derek Harper days and Anthony Welch and Corey Bradford and, and I can go on, but nothing like we're seeing right now. I mean, they, they are, the, the majority of the roster is out of state and particularly the impact players. You know, so, uh, you mentioned out of state, Joe, uh, if the, as presently constructed the Illinois basketball team, would have four players from out of the country, born out of the country as opposed to out of state, and only three players who played at uh, at an Illinois high school. So they'd have more more foreigners on the team than they have in-staters. <laughs> That's just right. the way it is. And, 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 yeah, and international basketball has gone I mean, it's leaps and bounds compared to when, when Illinois was really thriving there, you know, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. I mean, the last 20 years, you know, the impact of the international player. And, and Illinois has tapped into that. So just another, you know, credit to the staff that, that what they've done. Uh, we, we just talked to Roger Powell last week. He's at Gonzaga. And how many foreign players do they have? It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, right. they could be the number one team in the country this year. Yeah, and Rod, you know, Roger's a very good friend of mine. We probably talk, uh, you know, every couple of weeks. And, and, you know, that was part of the sell. Um you know, a little bit underrated part of Roger Powell's value is, and, and knowing Roger for so many years now, you know, when he was at Valpo, he was making foreign trips. He was overseas all the time recruiting. Uh, he can, continued that a little bit in his Vanderbilt days, and obviously Gonzaga has thrived with that, and it kind of just fit him perfectly with, with his move to Gonzaga because he's very accustomed. There's a lot of college coaches who have no ties they have no interest in that part of recruiting. That's just how it is with some assistants. Um, so with a coach like Roger Powell and, and others in the business, uh, that's just a, a huge plus if you can add that to your you know coaching resume. 
I want to ask you a, a one off the wall question here. As we look ahead, it would appear that certain schools like Auburn, like Kansas maybe, like Louisville, that several schools are going to be penalized, receive sanctions, and that may involve no tournament next year, as we saw with Oklahoma State. Do you, as a recruiter, if you're at the University of Illinois, do you stay on top of, let's say, Hopkins, who's going to Louisville, or Brown, who might be headed toward uh, Kansas, do you stay on top of those guys with the chance that at the last minute uh, they, they, may, they may revert? Well, Lauren, I think that goes back to the difference between college football recruiting and college basketball recruiting. Um, it, it, it is, in, in football, it's just a completely different animal. I mean, when a kid commits but hasn't signed, they're fair game. To, they take official visits. They, there, there's really nothing to it. Um, where basketball, it's still an unwritten rule and still somewhat frowned upon to be messing around with other player, committed players. So now does it happen? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and deny that it's not happening behind the scenes, but it's nowhere near as prevalent as it is in football or, or accepted. I mean, it's just commonly accepted in, in high stakes college football recruiting. Um, it's outwardly talked about, you know, um, basketball, that's not the case. And, you know, I, I, you know, everybody does it differently. And I know schools that do, you know, I, I guess the word is tamper to a degree is what you could call it. But, you know, that's a road that each school decides if they want to go down. I, I, I don't, the way it's gone in, in, in college basketball and high school basketball recruiting, I kind of frown upon it. I don't like it, um, you know, but it does happen. So I, with that being said, I have no idea what, you know, their model would be at, at, with that staff. Well, I, I'm not suggesting they tamper. I'm just suggesting that you stay alert because, you know, who who knows what Cunningham's going to do at Oklahoma State now that he can't. Oh, right. No, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, Lauren. I mean, there's no question. It's, you know, and, and there's some natural ties, natural friendships where you just check in with a, whether it be a coach or a connection or whatever it might be. Um you know, and, 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 and there's a way of doing that without what you just said, you know what I mean, tampering. And, I, you know, I, I – we'll see. I mean, I, I just I, – I don't know. I mean, do you think these penalties are so severe that that it's going to steer people away? I mean, I – Well, I, I, I think just, five – you know, five major uh, infractions by Kansas would indicate to me that uh, they'll get a, a, a sanction at least as serious as Oklahoma State, and then you got a guy like Brown – who is uh, probably maybe going to go there, who might decide at the last minute that uh, he'd rather go someplace where he can play in the tournament. We, we would hope so. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I just, I'm just such a pessimist when it comes to, uh, to all this. Um, until some severe things start happening, I mean really severe, I, 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 I've seen nothing change in the grant and scheme of recruiting. Um, once they realize not a whole lot has come of it yet, you know, still to come. We'll see. I, I, Hey, those that she get pounded. I great. Um, I just, I believe it when I see it is what I'm saying. Hey Joe, good stuff. Appreciate your time as always. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Hey, thanks for having me guys. You bet. Joe Hendrickson from city suburban hoops report, nine We'll take a break and we'll be back and kick off hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday sports talk here on DWS. 
It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody, here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our first two guests in the first hour, Brad Underwood, Illini basketball coach, and Joe Henriksen from City Suburban Hoops Report. We're going to lead off the second hour of the show with David Schuster in Chicago. David, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning to both you gentlemen. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I thought when we communicated earlier this week about um, – setting up this time to talk. I was hoping to talk about the return of baseball. It looked like it was getting close, and uh, now I don't know what to think. <laughs> Let's get your thoughts on are we going to have baseball or not, and at what point, do oh. we, how soon are we to the point of saying just to heck with it and let's move on? Well, it's getting there real close, to be honest with you. Um, I thought as of two or three days ago, in spite of the animosity between the two sides, I thought there would be baseball. I just, you know, thought that they would come to a meeting of the minds and just settle in the middle, whatever the middle might be. But now with the news yesterday that five Phillies and some of the other members of that organization came down with the coronavirus and some people involved with the Toronto Blue Jays have done the same. And now they're closing all the facilities in Arizona and Florida to sort of fumigate it in those places, if you will. I'm not so sure that in the long run that is the reason why there might not be baseball or might not be any sports, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I signed on earlier this year when the uh, pandemic was maybe even worse than it is right now that there won't be any sports, and that's at least a possibility in this entire calendar year. So if, if they can overcome the pandemic itself, and that's an iffy proposition at best, I still think that they can come to an agreement between the two sides. They're both stubborn, as you know what, but... I think ultimately they both know that they have to play some baseball or the sport will will just go down the tubes potentially. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head when you talked about the other sports and including college football. Clemson just had over almost two dozen football personnel, players, staff and such test positive. Houston's had the same issue, Alabama. So I don't know where that's going to go either in the fall. And it. I'm not sure we know any more than we did a month ago when we talked to you or six weeks ago. No, unfortunately we don't. I mean, uh, there's no vaccine. That will be the ultimate cure, I hope, if they are even able to come up with a vaccine. And in the meantime, you know, people can put their head in the sands that there's nothing going on out there, but there are 120,000 people that have already died and, and the cases are going up. So I think that that speaks for itself. David, let's just talk about the Chicago Cubs. How many are there players working out? Are there, are there, uh, how, 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 what's happening with the individual players? I mean, how long would it take them to get ready? I'd say the better part of three weeks, Lauren. I mean, that's sort of been the MO all along, but the longer they wait to potentially get this thing going, the shorter a, a quote unquote a extended spring training, you know, might be abbreviated. Um, players are working out pretty much on their own, wherever they may be. Like I said, they closed all the training facilities in both Arizona and Florida as of yesterday to at least clean them out or cleanse them out or whatever. Um, I know a lot of players were working still out at those facilities in Florida and Arizona. There are some players, both White Sox and Cubs, that are here in Chicago. I know they're working out on their own, or they might be scattered all around the country, to be honest with you. So, 
I mean, the, the questions that we had in regards to if this sport or any sport is going to get back together that we had the last time we talked or two times before when we talked, they're still there, only because this pandemic is, is still alive. So is this more about the pandemic or is this more about money? Well, I think, like I said, as of the other day, I thought uh, it was more about money, to be honest with you, and I thought that would probably be settled. I mean, I just think that both sides know, as stubborn as they are, and, you know, we've been down this road too many times between the owners and the players fighting with each other. Um, I just think they know that they have to get this sport going in some capacity because if you take the year off and the reason is money, I mean, whatever fans that are still allegiant to, to the sport, to the game, I think that you're going to start losing those people left and right. So as of the other day, I thought it was that. But like I said, on the heels of some of the news that came out yesterday with the pandemic and the stuff that Steve was just talking about in other sports, it just doesn't look good right now. Talking to David Schuster, um, along the same lines, what do you think is going to happen in the NBA? They're a month away, a little over a month away from saying they're going to start playing again. A lot can happen in that time. Sure can, Steve. I mean, you know, again, uh, it only takes one person to get sick. You know, once they, once they, if or when they finally get all those players together and they sequester them and, and basically the bubble down in Orlando, it only takes one guy to get sick and then the whole thing starts spreading around and God forbid somebody really gets sick, then I think the whole thing gets shut down immediately. So it's, you know, they, they talk a good game, pun intended, about what they're going to do and the same thing with hockey. But I've already seen a couple of players on, on some of the hockey teams have already come down with, with uh, the coronavirus as well. So who knows what's going to happen there either. So it's it's just totally still up in the air. I, I don't know how else to put it at this point. Well, we knew that somebody was going to come down. I mean, everybody, I mean, that had to happen. They had to be uh, prepared for that. They had to anticipate it. Uh, and I'm not saying that they knew five or six were going to come. But but yeah. uh, this, this ought to be something that, that you just take in, in stride because it's inevitable. I mean, you, you couldn't even think about starting and without realizing that there would be some positive tests. You know, I wasn't privy to the discussions behind closed doors, how, how they viewed that, to be honest with you, Lauren. I mean, I, I don't know if they took into account that somebody was going to get sick and then what, once that happens, what do they do? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's pie in the sky. I, I actually think that they thought that they could get by with nobody getting sick. Now that that might be just like I said, pie in the sky. But I think that's probably how they probably viewed it. Because, like I said, once somebody gets sick and it spreads like wildfire, and God forbid somebody really gets sick or worse, th- then the whole thing gets shut down immediately. So, <laughs> I, I wish I was the Wizard of Odds uh, here and I had a good answer for the question, but I just really don't, to be honest. Okay, with you. let's say there's a standoff for another several weeks and they cancel this summer season. What next? Do they try to play in the in, uh, off season? I mean, how do they, how, what does baseball do? I guess they go back to the drawing board and hope that this pandemic goes away in some capacity and they try again next year. You know, it's really interesting, some of the stuff that's coming out, if, if, a big if, if they play, they're talking about games ending in ties. They're talking about that goofy rule that they were talking about a year or so ago being instituted where in certain extra innings, I don't know if the 10th or 12th or whatever, that a, a guy would start on second base with nobody out. Um, they're talking about and they're talking about free substitution once they get the extra inning. So if maybe somebody gets yanked out of a game in the 8th inning, they can go back into a game in the 10th inning. So yeah, th- th- there's a lot of goofy things that are on the table here. 
But as far as next year, Lauren, I mean, again, if they don't play this baseball season in any capacity, and if it's just for money-related reasons, that is going to be so damaging to this sport. Now, I know some people will say they'll, you know, they'll come back, and some people will say um, potentially, well, I'm never coming back, and they will come back. But it'll be such damage to the sport itself that uh, I don't know if uh, that's something that either side really wants it to happen. So, again, I've always been of the belief that they would work something out monetarily, even at the last minute, and I've been down this road too many times in baseball with the owners and the players. But if it becomes more the pandemic than a monetary situation, then all bets are off. So what's uh, this I hear about you and Les Grobstein <laughs> doing a podcast these days? How's that been going? Oh, it's just uh, a barrel of monkeys, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Les and I have been going at it for God knows it's more than years, it's decades at this <laughs> point. You know, So we've battled it out in press boxes and clubhouses and all over the place and on the air, of course, as well. So, yeah, I just thought it was a good idea in the midst of no sports, and I'm basically sitting around not doing anything right now. So I just came up with the idea, along with some other people, to do a podcast, and the Grobber and I are doing it. So, yeah, you can catch it. It's called the, the Grobstein Schuster Zone, and it's on, uh, I don't know how you find it. It's on a podcast near you. I'll just leave it at that. Well, the Grobber's got some kind of memory, doesn't he, and, uh, for dates and facts and stats and such? Oh, yeah. Well, he goes back to when uh, Washington threw the, uh, what, the quarter or nickel across the Potomac. So, yeah, he, he goes all the way back. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah that, That's back to Lauren Tate territory there. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> hey, David, always good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. And uh, hang in there. Be safe. All right. I was going to just leave you this last thing. You know, Addison Russell couldn't find a major league team to play with, so he signed with a team in Korea. Really? It could be sort of a hoot in its own way that he might be playing baseball this summer. But nobody else might be. How about that? That's interesting. Well, how's that working out? By the way, they're playing. Are they playing in Korea? Where are they playing? Korea? Yeah, they're playing in South Korea, to the best of my knowledge. And you know, maybe they've handled. I guess they've handled the pandemic a lot better than we have here in the states. So yeah, to the best of my knowledge, I think they're playing ball over there. And he just signed with a team uh, either yesterday or this morning. So he's he's going over there. No major league team wanted a part of him. Good for him, though. I mean, I still like Addison Russell in spite of some of the dumb things that he's done, obviously, over the years. He, he's, he's, he's a good-natured guy, and I, and I wish him well. Hopefully he learns uh, from his mistakes. Hey, David, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Be well, guys. You too. That's David Schuster from Chicago, longtime sports reporter there, 10-12. We'll take a time out here and be back. We'll talk some Illinois football after this. The phone line is open, 356 Back with more on Ipella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment. Moving up on 1015 on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella Windows and Doors. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Keller. We're with you until 11 o'clock. If you'd like to join us, you know how to do that. We're going to talk some Illinois football now with Fighting Illini Offensive Coordinator Rod Smith. Good morning, Rod. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? We're hanging in there trying to talk sports with no sports going on, but we've been doing that for three months now. So <laughs> he, he's coaching, and there's no nobody to coach. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> we're all. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm, coach, I'm coaching my wife real well these last three months. <laughs> <laughs> Does she listen? <laughs> no, she don't listen. She's a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you got to deal with what you've got, right? And you're you're starting to get uh, right. you're starting to get some guys back on campus. Uh, kind of coming in waves. Tell me how that process is going so far. 
Well, it's obviously it's taking shape. Um, you know, we've had a, a group of guys report, and and a lot most of our freshmen are in. So uh, there'll be some more coming in the near future uh, as we kind of bring these guys back. So you know, a lot of the stuff's been going on and, and testing them and making sure everything's good. So so far, so good. And when will you actually start working with them? I know this. I think they said a date, didn't they, Lauren, for yeah. activities July something or August, uh, early August? Yeah, we could actually, they just, the NCAA just passed a new legislature. basically allows us to uh, have like a little bit of work with them and be more or less walkthrough type situations uh, in, in uh, July, mid-July. So we'll get two weeks of walkthrough, walk and talk, teach type sessions. Uh, and then four weeks of camp as well uh, once August starts. So that's basically kind of where it is right now, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're planning accordingly. Now, Lou Hernandez is able to work with him some, isn't he, now? And how many hours can he uh, be with players this w- in a week? Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we got some guys coming back is because they, you know, wanted to get back and start working out with Lou and preparing just like we normally would. Uh, you know, and, our, and our, our athletic training staff did a great job of putting everything in place, you know, for any, any unforeseen instances or things that could happen with, with obviously the pandemic. And they did a great job. And so Lou's working with our guys right now as we speak. Um, and he'll be able to do that all the way up through just like he normally does. Now, obviously, the, the workouts and stuff will be different because of the numbers and the spacings and all that type of thing. So, that's happening, but yeah, definitely Lou's had a chance to do that, and he's 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 been excited with our guys' uh, attitude and effort so far already. Now, quarterbacks like to throw, and receivers like to catch, and it takes a football to do that. Are you able to get these guys together yet to do any of that that kind of stuff? Well, they're doing it. On, they'll, they'll do it on their own. Is what they'll do. We we can't make mm-hmm. them do it. Uh, this will be more on their own until we're able to get going. In in, uh, in August, but yeah, they will probably get together. Most of us quarterbacks do that, and there's some precautions that have to happen. You know, like one of the things is, you know, a quarterback if he throws to one receiver, he's got to use the same ball, uh, and the same ball or, or the same group of balls goes to one receiver. Then once those balls are done, you get wiped down, and you have another group of balls for the next receiver that you're throwing to. So it's it's a lot more tedious than what it's ever been probably a lot more time consuming uh but at the same time those are just the steps that we're kind of we're in right now that we have to take i i got a question for you about luke ford i i see him on uh twitter and he is really impressive to me just in what he's saying i am not talking about how he's playing but um as steve kelly pointed out i've said for 20 years now this year we're going to get that ball to the tight ends more, and then we never do. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, is, is, is this a year with Luke coming in there and with the guys you got returning, is this going to be a year that you can see the tight end being a bigger factor? Well, you know, you hope you hope it is. You hope, you hope the fact that it does. I, I thought I thought to our – to your dismay, Lord, I thought our tight ends actually caught more balls this year. They than did. The, the first year I was here. Yeah, they did. They had a couple more touchdowns, so there was an increase. So, see, you should be happy about that. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> about that catch against Michigan State. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we, we, we obviously, 
you know, the, the reality is we try to put guys in positions and, and to make plays. And, and I think our tight ends have, have grown in maturity and development. And I think hence that's the reason why there was an increase in their production this past year. And I would expect that to be even more this year. You lost a couple of solid guys at the running back position in Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown. Talk a little bit about uh, how that position shapes up and what you might uh, have in store for us. Yeah, you know, you lose two guys like 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 Reggie and, and Dre was very productive for us, not just this year, but the last two years, at least since I've been here. Um, you know, they're very productive. The central part of what we tried to do offensively was establish the run game, and those guys were very important to that. Um, and they're going to be tough to replace. Now, the good thing is the running back room, I thought, was the deepest uh, room on our team in terms of talent, uh, in terms of capable people to come in and, and still kind of be the next man up. So, you know, I'm excited for guys like, like Mike Epstein and Rayvon Bonner. You know, Chase Brown would get a shot here, and, you know, Jakari Norwood. Kenyon Sims, you got Reggie Love coming in, you got Nick Fadonzo. We have a whole group of kids there that uh, a lot of reps. You only play so many running backs, right? You play you normally one to two at a time. So but that room is still deep, even with the loss of those two guys. That's very productive for us. Are you finding with the guys coming back, because it's been pointed out several times that these um, the voluntary workouts are just that voluntary. Are you finding out, though, that most everybody's pretty excited to get back on campus? Yeah, I think they are. I really do. I mean, guys were constantly calling, texting back whenever they were home, saying, Coach, when are we going to be able to get back? This is driving me crazy, you know. So, I mean, kids just want to get back, I think, to a routine. And, you know, they understand what's at stake, and everybody is. We're being very cautious with us. I'm sure there's some guys that have concerns, and rightfully so. Uh, But we're going to take every step that we need to, to to ensure these guys' safety and well-being. That, that's the first and foremost uh, thought on our minds. And then try to provide them the best atmosphere that they can come in and prepare and get ready for the season, but stay safe at the same, time, same time. Visiting with Rod Smith, you were talking about the footballs themselves and how they're passed around, handed around, wiped down and such. Are we going to be in a situation in, in, in the game? And the ball's changed out quite a bit anyway, but are we going to be in a situation in the game where every play you've got a, a new disinfected ball coming into to play? Well, it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I can't speak on that uh, entirely because I really don't know. I mean, a lot of those rules, a lot of those you know, situations are yet to be determined. And I think it's depending on – I think this next coming month is going to be a big telltale for the entire college football season. We're hoping we're all keeping our fingers crossed that we can keep moving forward is what we're trying to do. We're planning that, that as such. So I think – but when you're talking about situations like that, Steve, you know, that'll be for the, the rules experts and then all the, the health experts and how we should handle that. And we'll, we'll follow the rules and we'll do whatever they tell us to do. Um, they still got to, when we do play, put that ball down. There'll be 11 players on offense, 11 players on defense. The whole offense to do is score points, right? So yeah. that's what we'll be trying to do. And how many times over the last three months have we said we don't know the answer to something because we've never gone through anything like this, and it, it comes up every day, right? Definitely. It's, unpre- it's unprecedented, and, and it is. We're living, we're living in kind of unknown times. We're, we're the guinea pigs to this. So, you know, we're trying to just by trial and error, we're trying to make – 
the best educated uh, decisions we can make for our student athletes, for the well-being of everyone. So, uh, yeah, we we, we got to make sure we take the advice of the of, of the of the so-called experts and and use some common sense and and, and be smart with how we approach these things. Are you keeping track of what's going on at Clemson and Texas and other places where they're having multiple positives? Those uh, those places are create a little doubt in our minds, you know. So how do you go forward when we have so many people involved? Well, I, I think you're right, Lord. It, it is a little concerning whenever you see that. And, and you know, and, and obviously you don't want that to hit home, but at the same time, it, 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 it's out there and it's a possibility. So, you know, I think that's, like you said, that's one of the concerns moving forward is how, how, will, how will everybody respond uh, moving forward, that's why I think this next month will be, you know, pretty telling. I know all the plans and everybody's trying to go forward, and, I, and we all hope they do. We all hope we can stay safe. But uh, you know, there's still nothing etched in stone per se. It's just a lot of plans, and hopefully, we continue to move forward and things will be positive. Are you guys, the coaches, and all the staff, uh, have you been tested? Will you be tested? Will you? Will that be an ongoing thing for you guys as well? Yeah, we, we have not been tested yet. We are still away from the facility. We're not in the facilities yet. Uh, we, we will actually get back there, you know, uh, after next week, so around the 29th. And at that time, we all will be tested and be tested weekly, uh, just like the kids will be. So everybody, everybody will be incorporated or, or working at the Smith Center will be tested, and, and along with the players, coaches, staff, everybody. Won't it be fun when we get to the point we can talk about X's yeah, and O's like and the quarterbacks. why the play didn't work and who's the most popular guy on the bench and that's your backup quarterback and all those kind of things instead of what ifs, right? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> we'll do it. Hey, Rod, we appreciate your time. Hey, thank you guys. Always great talking with you. You as well. Rod Smith, Illinois Offensive Coordinator on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Jim has been hanging on for a bit. Uh, Jim, finally, we got to you. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going today? Good. How are you? Hey, pretty good. I was going to ask you uh, the the biggest uh, college basketball story in Illinois this summer at uh, Western Illinois University with Nick Irvin going there as an assistant, and then you have the new head coach, Rob Jeter, and already the two recruits he got from Chicago and then the transfer, former Morgan Park kid from uh, UAB. I just – what have you – what are your thoughts on that in terms of that, you know, that conference tournament there ends an automatic berth in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. That, that's a big story down there. It is. It certainly caught my eye, and uh, the hiring of Nick Irvin caught my eye, and then he's pulled a couple of guys in since then, so uh, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Lauren, any thoughts from you on that? Yeah, well, I, Nick Irvin is is an interesting guy. He was a f- tremendous player in his own right. I think he was an All-State basketball player, as I recall. And, and he, uh, I don't think he completed his education. I don't think he did. And at some point, he would have uh, been more viable uh, for a college. And then he's able to, to be accepted at Western here. And he's brought some players with him, which is not surprising because he's he's got those contacts. Uh He'll, he'll, he'll make a difference for Western, there's no question. The Western's problems aren't on the basketball court. Western's problems are just keeping the college going. They are really falling yeah. off in numbers, and it's a scary thing when you look at the, the, the uh, enrollment at, at a number of schools in this 
you know, in this state, and not, not Illinois State, not the University of Illinois, but others, other schools are really on the borderline in terms of just staying alive. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting because the head coach, Rob Jeter, and I didn't know this, but the head coach, he, he's a Bo Ryan disciple and played for Bo Ryan at Wisconsin Platteville. And I, I, one of the stories I read is he, he, Rob Jeter was the first E1 coach to recruit Ethan Happ. And, and then word got out and Wisconsin gave him a look. And then Wisconsin was able to get a verbal commitment from Happ. And, and the one thing I look at at Western, so if you've got a, a Bo Ryan disciple type of system, and he's getting talent like that out of Chicago. I, well, one, I don't know how long he'll last at Western if he has success. But I'm just saying from getting the opportunity of an Illinois school playing in that conference, you know, getting a, an automatic tournament berth, I think that's going to be an interesting story uh, uh, to follow. Because the one kid from Morgan Park decommitted from Wake Forest. Right to go to WIU. I mean, when is, when is that ever happened? That's crazy. But do you, I'll, I'll do hang you up live, uh, Jim, do you live in that neighborhood, in that area? I live uh, in Alita, which is just about 40 miles uh, north. Where, by the way, where the, where, where, uh, the radio station I work at, we're a Illini radio network affiliate. Great. But uh, I, just thought, I just think it's a story worth uh, following just with uh, – I mean, just like I said, getting the automatic berth is going to be interesting to follow. If they can do that, that's easier said than done. But, I mean, they have a pretty good opportunity if they're going to bring in talent like that, that's for sure. Well, keep an eye on that and feel free to call us anytime. Sure thing. Have a good guy. Have a good day, guys. You too. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. 356-9397 is our number if you'd like to join us. And if you've been uh, thinking about replacing the doors or windows in your home, you're already aware that the most important door is the entry door and the patio door. A trip to the Pella Window Store there at 1001 North Country Fair Drive can help clear up what can be an overwhelming situation at times. Mike Mary and his staff at uh, the Pella Window Store have been in this community for a long time. It's knocking on the door of uh, 50 years coming up before too long. So there are many choices in windows and doors, and the Pella Window Store has eight patio doors at least on uh, display in their showroom at all times. They'll not only help you decide what's best for you, they'll stand by them with a limited lifetime warranty. On Ipella offers one-stop shopping. You'll find the products. You can talk about installation and financing as well if you need to. Window and door shopping is not something you do every day. So we want to make sure you get it right. Do your research, set your budget, work with the pros at the Pella Window Store, then show off your new windows and doors to families and friends. You can stop by Monday through Friday. 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment only, if you'd like to uh, talk with them. They're at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Illini Pella, the Pella Window Store. 1030, we're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment. Moving up on 1033, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate. And we're with you until 11. Squat to... Iowa City now. Scott Dockerman standing by with us from the Athletic. Not much goes on in Iowa City in the <laughs> spring and summertime, does it, uh, Scott? You've been keeping busy out there. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, up there for a little while. Uh, there wasn't anything to do, and then for the last few weeks, it's been. Uh, I kind of compare it to a coaching search. That's pretty much the intensity that we've 
had in, in covering Iowa football the last few weeks. It's starting to slow down a little bit now, but still, it's uh, uh, things have been uh, awfully volatile around here. Well, get us up to date, and you said that things have slowed down a little bit. I didn't hear much coming out of there this week, but it's the week prior was certainly interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, kind of going back a couple of weeks ago, uh, several, well, actually several dozen former players, mostly African-American former players, uh, called out the culture at the University of Iowa, mainly with and dealing with the strength and conditioning department and, and now former strength coach Chris Doyle and the way he operates is being in some ways racially insensitive and fostering a bullying culture. And uh, so for the, the span of about a week there, you know, the stories kept rolling out and a lot of them were, were very, uh, uh, yeah, weren't very good and in a good light for the University of Iowa and the football program. But, but really most of the players, the former players uh, that pointed out Chris Doyle really backed Kirk Ferentz, which is kind of unusual because they've been tied at the hip for so many years, for 20-plus years. Uh, so it was interesting to see how that developed. And then talking to parents, you know, current players, former players who were affected, and uh, they all felt like Kirk Ferentz could be the guy moving forward, but Chris Doyle had to be removed. So as of uh, last Monday, Chris Doyle was, uh, he officially resigned as, as Iowa's strength and conditioning coach. And, uh, and even though they've had some explosive meetings um, with the current players and staff, things seem to be trending in the, the proper direction right now for the Iowa football program. So Doyle's going to receive 1.1, was that uh, 1.1 million? Was that in a... Uh, uh, an agreement between was that negotiated yeah that was negotiated because chris doyle was the highest paid uh strength coach this this current year which ends of course in about a week uh is he was paid eight hundred thousand dollars and then next year that would have jumped up to nearly nine hundred thousand and had iowa finished in the top 15 again then it would have been another million and he had it you know, a two-year deal. So if they would have had to pay that out, um, you're looking at, you know, possibly $1.9 million, and then you, you also throw in, you know, some incentives and things like that. And if, in Iowa, I looked over the contract very, very closely just to see what Iowa's options were, and there really wasn't a way they could fire him with cause uh, because it wasn't like he intentionally physically hurt the student-athletes, not this time, unlike Rabdo nine or ten years ago. So this was a negotiation. It's a high amount of money for a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Chris Doyle is probably the best in that area in the country. But, however, uh, when it comes to interpersonal relationships and the things he said and, and did to certain players uh, over the years, it's it's certainly questionable, His at least his methods. Uh, I don't suppose you were, you've you been busy watching guys work out in, in, the, in the room so with Doyle, but you, were you aware of anything like this uh, in, in regard to Chris Doyle? Not anything racially motivated, or at least some of the racial uh, insensitive language. Not at all on that front. Um, he is uh, in the bullying area. I, I don't know. I mean, one thing about Iowa is that they've really focused on uh, it's almost a militaristic environment. Very, He's very much a drill sergeant, very much, uh, you know, you will be here X time, shoes tied. If your shoes aren't tied, you're out of here. You've got to cover up tattoos. You've got, you can't wear hats in the building. You can't wear hoodies in the building. You can't wear earrings. I mean, just such a very strict, you know, area uh, to the point where for some kids, it felt like they were being belittled. And I was not aware of anything other than the 
you know, ultra strict environment. And, and I kind of paraded that over the years, like, Hey, we're not for everybody here. And you'll come in and you'll work and that's it. And, and so that they weeded out a lot of players that way. And you're kind of aware of it in certain stories, but not anything to the racial degree now. It almost seems to me, Scott, like the strength of Iowa, and, and they've been successful and they've shown a lot of ability in playing football. The strength of Iowa is also the weakness. I mean, I think that militaristic uh, environment probably enhanced their ability to win games, maybe, do you think? No doubt about it. And, I, and the, the one thing that they prided themselves with, and this is kind of where Kirk Ferentz and Chris Doyle worked hand in hand all these years, is they are a developmental program. They know it. They, they pluck a lot of small-town farm boy types. And uh, they come in and they, they have that mindset, and it really works well. The problem is they have a lot of attrition that way. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a strength and a weakness. But I think in talking to even some very popular former NFL players who, you know, had I had conversations with about the situation, their problem was it was like he knew how to train me. There was just no carrot at the end of the stick. There was never a, you know, hey, put, I'm, he's going to put your arms around you and say, hey, you did a really good job. I'm proud of you or anything. There was none of that. It was just all work, 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 work. And and uh, if you grew up in a different environment, and sometimes I could understand how you felt like, you know, his style of coaching just was not what you needed at that at that place. Do you see uh, Kirk Ferentz coaching on in another five years at least? I don't know, and I doubt it. Um, this is uh, this is something that's going to take a toll on him because again, Chris Doyle was his lieutenant. You know that he'd been with him the entire time. I mean, as soon as the season's over with, he basically handed off the keys to the players to, to Doyle and said, "Hey, they're your guys now, and, and do what you see fit." So, you know, he'll be 65 in August. Uh, I think he's committed this season. You know, and one thing that I've really watched for and I've been critical of is, you know, how did how did this all come together in the last couple of weeks? And he's really said and done the right things. I mean, first of all, getting rid of Doyle, you know, we, we all have to look back at 2011 when they had that rhabdo incident and 13 players ended up in, in the hospital for, for workouts. And not only did Kirk Ferentz stand unequivocally behind Chris Doyle, he gave him the, the first and only assistant coach of the year award at, a, at an iClub event. So hmm. it was just, you know, he stood behind him for all these years. In this case, he did it. And, uh, you know, he wanted, there's an investigation going um, about racial inequalities at the University of Iowa among the football program. So a lot of these former players will be asked questions not only about Doyle, but the program at large. So it's going to be tough for Iowa. But I also think, uh, you know, for Kirk Ferentz, this is, this is the final piece of his legacy. He's had a very good career, but how he handles this situation, and it's not just a how do we do it today, it's how we do it every day for the next, you know, however long his career is, I think will tell us a lot about, you know, whether or not he's able to, to make this happen or if it's uh, something that's going to be a major setback for not only this year but years to come. Another couple of minutes with Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City. Any basketball news? Any update on uh, Luca Garza? Well, he's on campus right now. The, the basketball players returned to campus on Monday for – for workouts uh, last week was football this week was basketball and so yeah he's in iowa city now he's still you know weighing his options of you know and that's driving everybody crazy of course because you know with everything going on with the nba and pushing back the draft you know so people are waiting but you know you know i think being in iowa city for these workouts at least gives you that 
hope if you're an Iowa fan that he's going to return. If he does, uh, this could be a special season for Iowa as long as it gets played, of course. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's where we stand now. But it's only been a few days. And, but Jordan Bohannon will be back. He's back working out fine, and and Luka Garza is in Iowa City. Of course, the um, football season comes before the basketball season in most years, at least. But what do you what are you thinking about? Uh, <laughs> What are you thinking about the college football season starting on time and, and getting through this? Boy, I tell you what, every couple of days or so, my mind goes to a different direction. And I thought up to, a, you know, about a week ago, I thought we were going to have a, a full season and maybe a chance at some, some pretty good uh, attendance numbers. But uh, based on the last week or so with the number of infections and, and the way this is kind of growing again, I'm really concerned that hopefully we can – get a season and I don't, I, I'm sure the stands are going to be limited and have to be for the first week but you, you hear so many different whether it's rumors or discussions that they're going to have you know potentially I've uh, one I've heard is that they may even go to just 10 games all big 10 and that's it uh, to, to something else and you just I, it's just so important to these universities to play this I mean I looked at you know, like for instance, the University of Illinois, their their numbers for the 2019 fiscal year you get roughly 50 million dollars from the Big Ten and six from your ticket sales. Well, you take out that 50 million dollars, your entire department goes completely kaput. Same thing with everybody. You know, other in Ohio State maybe could weather it the most, but it's it's just you have to play football and you have to play it on TV. Whether or not the fans are there, you can deal with that, but. So that's right now. I, I think they're going to play. I think they'll do everything they can to play football. But I just wonder what kind of environment we're going to have. And, and frankly, I don't think the games are going to be all that well played. Good stuff, Scott. Appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you. I know you've been extremely busy, but um, we appreciate you taking time for us. Thanks a lot, Scott. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City at 1044. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have about uh, 12, 13 minutes of open line. If you'd like to jump in, talk about anything that we've talked about or anything that we haven't. Stay with us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues after this. 1046 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 11. 356-9397 is the phone number you'd like to uh, jump in. Thanks to our guests earlier in the show. Brad Underwood in that first hour, Joe Henriksen as well, David Schuster, Rod Smith, and Scott Docterman in hour number two. And again, the phone line is open the rest of the way. We're getting news that the NBA draft has picked a date for that to happen, or the NBA has picked a date for the draft to happen, October the 16th. Yeah, with free agency to follow two days later. And we know that August 3rd had been the uh, new date for mm-hmm. players that have their uh, name in the draft for them to pull out. So yeah, that, that won't change it's again. It's kind of confusing because the early entry withdrawal date by the NBA is October 6th. But for the, for the colleges, for the NCAA, it's, it's August 3. As you heard uh, Brad Underwood say, or ho- hopefully you heard it if you were listening the first hour. If you didn't, he said... That Kofi and Io still have their names in. Kofi is in Champaign. Io is not at the current time. Our, uh, another friend of ours who uh, we have on the show from time to time, Kedrick Prince, does some work for Rivals.com and the Quad City Times as well. Had a story with a scout or a former NBA scout who uh, had 
expressed his opinion about Io and the fact that he thought he would be best served to uh, mm-hmm. come back to school yeah. for his junior year, and uh, that's one there's of his so options. Much, there's so much uncertainty because there's even uncertainty about a, a college season, but there's certainly an uncertainty. Uh, uncertainty about the the G League and if you don't crack that NBA roster where do you play and that, that becomes a problem now if you've got a contract that's okay if you got a contract it doesn't matter but I don't think you're going to see many members of the of the se- second group after number 30 yeah I don't think you're going to see many of those uh, getting big contracts it's just too iffy and who was it last year? Carson Edwards. Yeah. Was he the first pick of the second round? Well, he was right at the yes, right at the beginning yeah. of the second round. He got over two million, I know. And I'm I'm throwing out a number here that's not accurate. I mean, there's a, I've seen the accurate number, and and he's got a like a three year contract, and he and he's he's gonna he's gonna do fine. He doesn't have you know basically he doesn't have to play in the NBA. He's still gonna get paid because he's got that contract. But, Normally he would be in the G League, or he, if he doesn't make the NBA roster, he was up and down last year. Mm-hmm. He was, he, he was both. Let's go back to the phones, and Marty in North Carolina, down Pinehurst. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. What you got? Well, I got a question for you, Lauren. Given your many years of expertise, do you think this uh, period of non-sports, where you guys have been putting shows together now for three months or so? Is this going to stretch your skills and make both of you better people when you get back to your normal routine? <laughs> normal, <laughs> normal routine is going to be easier. I was going to say, who knows? <laughs> if we can pontificate about a game, that's one thing. We're both kind of long in the tooth anyway. Steve just looked at me and yeah, he said, well, Steve hell, just looked over me and he said, what are we going to do for next week? <laughs> yeah, 80s is the new 50s, Steve. Just I, keep that in mind. I understand. We've been saying, what are we going to do for the next week uh, for a about 12 weeks now, but uh, we're still doing it, and it's kind of fun. But I'll be uh, is, I'll be happy when we have games to talk about. Is MLB now becoming a reality show? Well, it's uh, becoming a horror show. It, uh, yeah, yeah it's, what, what in the world? Do these people not understand? Did they not learn from the previous times? That every time you strike, you lose fans? and you lose a little bit of the aura of baseball, you make it more of a business and less of a national pastime? Yeah, I don't know if they realize it or not, but it's a fact. And as Lauren pointed out earlier in the show, baseball is baseball. The fans will come back or they won't, and the billionaires will be okay, and the, so, yeah. will, so will the millionaires. What what really has us concerned is is college football, college sports, and what happens if that by some well, uh, major play, does get played. If you don't play football, you you got financial issues that are deep. I mean, I don't I don't know how most of these colleges, athletic departments survive if they don't have football on TV. Well, you're going to see a lot of sports that don't survive. Yeah, and it goes beyond the college and university. It goes to the community. It goes to the surrounding yeah. area. The yeah. the businesses, well, yeah. the restaurants, hotels, hotels, restaurants. They get you know, the pa- just it doesn't feel like fall if you don't have. The, the smell of harvest in the air and, and tailgates on Saturdays. If you drive around campus right now and you see all the apartment buildings going up or have gone up and are still going up yeah. and how many more apartments and how many more apartments and they're just more and more, man, oh, man, who's going to fill those? I mean, I you know, if, if you have a lot of online classes, students don't yeah. have to be here. They can it's, be home uh, doing their classes. 
there's a lot of businesses that it's a ripple effect all the way across the board. I worry about it. I worry about people, you know, that when this thing started, the whole thing was we need to level the curve off. We're not going to stop this. It's a virus. It's contagious, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we got through that for the most part. And now people are, certain media outlets are now, oh, we've got an uptick here. Ooh, we got an uptick here. No one ever said we wouldn't have people continue to get this virus. They said, let's make sure we don't have an Italy where we don't have people dying because we've gotten no ventilators for them, and et cetera. And people have totally forgotten it, and it's become political. And it's kind of sad, guys. It's become a political football instead of just a health situation. Can't di- yep, can't disagree with that. Hey, Marty, thanks for the call. Yep, take care, guys. Yep. Good show. Good Thank show. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. 10.52, got a few minutes left if you uh, want to get in at 356-9397. I got one for you, Mr. Tate. All right. Bill Self's attorney said that his, Sue him. his client might be thinking about suing the NCAA. My question is, who do you root for in that one? <laughs> <laughs> who do you root for? Well, who you got in that game? You know, that's just a, that's a that's a really good fake. It's a strong yeah. because the NCA is not going to be affected in any way by any scare tactics by Bill Self's attorney or Bill Self himself. The, the University Kansas is is now facing five major charges, and they're going to have to pay a penalty for it. Yeah, but like Joe Hendrickson said earlier this hour, he'll believe that when he sees it. Well, I know. Uh, Everybody, nobody will believe that any of the major schools are going to right. be hit. You know, they're going to be hit. They have to be. They have to be. I mean, they, they brought they brought the five, you know, the letter of inquiry is out. It's got five major infractions, and three of them were paying players, families of players, guardians and parents of players. And what you have to understand, well, well, parents, well, that's the way it's always done. The players don't get minimum. They might get a $100 handshake. I'm not saying. But the major money in buying players for years, whether it's at Duke, whether it's anywhere, at Kansas, it goes to the parents. That's why the Zion Williamson thing is so. Zion Williamson's mother was paying $800 and 800 and something dollars a month for her living quarters before he went to Duke. When he went to Duke, she was paying 5000 a month for that one year. Well, I wonder how that happened. He was an amateur. He was, an, he was a college student playing for Duke, and she's paying $5,000 a month for her room and board. Can I say bull? <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't paying anything. It was being taken care of. Now, will that ever come out? I don't know. But we all know. There isn't a soul that doesn't know. How long do you think Bill Self will be in Lawrence, Kansas? Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't. I the problem with the, the problem that Bill's got is he can go to the NBA, but it, the, the people that go to the NBA, the people out of college that go to the NBA, always have to take a team that just fired their coach because they couldn't win games. Right. And he's not used to losing. But if he goes to the NBA, it'd be just like Beeline. Yep. He'll be somewhere where he can't win. 10.55. We'll take a final break. Be back with some final words here on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment. It is 10.57, Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. Father's Day weekend. 
you know, one thing I always look forward to Father's Day weekend, but, in addition to Father's Day weekend. Yeah. The U.S. Open golf tournament. It's not happening. And the U of I Open. <laughs> Neither right. one are happening. You'd probably win it this year. No, I wouldn't win it. You won a senior. That was in the um, club championship. Okay. Not not the Open, but I can't play because I have to work on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you. I thought I was retired. And, but anyway, the U.S. Open is always on, has always been on Father's Day weekend, or certainly so in the uh, most recent years. By the way, have you watched any... Uh, Golf this week on TV. I haven't this week. They're, they're down in Harbortown this week. Yeah, I know, and I should be watching. No fans. Lots of um, opportunity for golfers to be heard on the air Uh-oh. because of. Uh, and I'm not talking about golfers that have said, "Yeah, put a mic on me," because some are doing that, but doing that, but most are not. But there's enough. There are enough shotgun mics in the uh, in the field anyway. Picking and, them up, huh? You hear some things that are passed off as technical <laughs> issues, but uh, players talk, and it's interesting to watch from a technical standpoint the way they're. Well, the reaction after a bad shot. Does anybody not swear after they make a bad shot? Right, and usually they're they're there's most always they're swearing at themselves. Yeah. They're not blaming anybody else. That's right. <laughs> or as Mike Small says, the golf ball does the talking. And, <laughs> But you're the one that puts the ball in motion somewhere. But it's been interesting to watch. And by the way, if you hadn't heard earlier, they did have a player, Nick Watley, test positive for COVID-19. And so he's being quarantined and the tournament continues. Mr. Tate, we'll try to do this again next week, my friend. All right. See you on the golf course here Mm -hmm. before too long. Thanks to our guests coming up on the show that uh, were on the show. Brad Underwood, Joe Henriksen, David Schuster, Rod Smith, and Scott Docterman. Appreciate your calls as well. Thanks to Blake Landa for his help in the other room. We'll talk to you again next week here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Have a great weekend, everybody.